Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We are now in our God is Able Sermon Series. In this life, it is so easy for us to settle for the ordinary. We wake up and typically have the same routine every single day. Yet our God created us to live an extraordinary life. There is no one in the world exactly like you, and God wants you to reach your full potential. This involves us growing deeper and deeper into Christ while following Him every day. His plans for us are immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's trust Jesus and live out our extraordinary lives. Let's listen in. Vision. Uh, vision is one of those words that when I say it, uh, your mind might go to a couple different places. Maybe your mind goes to the place where I go first when I hear the word vision, and that's the lack of vision in these old tired eyes of mine. Uh, when I was in third grade, I came to this harsh realization that not everybody saw the world the way that I saw it, and I mean that literally. Uh, I have, was struggling to see. I didn't really know what was going on, and I had a really good third grade teacher, and she sent home a note to my mom and dad that says, you might want to get his eyes checked out, and sure enough, I needed glasses. And the first time that I put on those really not cool, thick Coke bottle style glasses, this is 35 years ago, uh, the world became new to me. And I thought, wow, I can differentiate faces and I could see trees and I could read what was on the chalkboard and it was glorious. And now some 35 years later, I'm still thankful for the contacts and the glasses that I have that helped me to see your faces, that helped me to be able to read the Bible, that helped me to know to not go too far on the front of this stage or I will topple off. You know, it, it's, it's, it's great. And some of you have entered into what I call the bifocal season of life or the reading glasses season of life. Isn't growing old off? Awesome. Um, you know, where your vision is just kind of failing you a little bit. And then those of you that have perfect eyes, you hear the word vision and your mind goes to maybe some inspirational quotes or some kind of principles that you've heard about vision. How about this quotation? Success is about dedication. You may not be where you want to be or what you want to do when you're on the journey, but you've got to be willing to have vision and foresight that leads you to an incredible end. That's great wisdom. That comes from Usher, the R&B artist. And, uh, you probably didn't come to church this morning expect to hear Usher quoted, but I mean, it's, it's good stuff. And uh, I mean, he, he says, you have to be willing to have vision and foresight that leads you to an incredible end. Or how about Warren Bennis, the great leadership expert? He said that leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. And then there's a great man of faith, Charles Swindoll, who says, when you have vision, it affects your attitude, and your attitude is optimistic rather than pessimistic. And then one of my favorite quotations on vision of all time comes from Helen Keller, and she says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. So what does it mean then to have vision for your life? See, as a leader, how do you best determine your vision, maybe for your team, or for your organization? How do you keep the vision alive? How do we here at Rolling Hills keep the vision moving forward? How do you determine your vision for your family or for your life individually? And what are those steps that you need to take to ensure that that vision doesn't just stay a vision but becomes a reality? See, that's what we're talking about today. And I couldn't be more excited for your presence in this place because I believe that the implications of our understanding just this one primary vision that we have, 
that's outlined for us in God's word, if we can understand this, I believe it's so huge and significant and every person in this room has a role in it. So know that I'm grateful that you are here and I'm praying for you as God speaks to us through his word and praying that each and every one of us would just be able to understand and to just be able to extrapolate what is it, Lord, that you want me to grow in today? What is this vision that you've given me, given us, and how can we grow in that collectively? So to that end, will you join me in prayer and ask God to meet us here through his word? So Lord, thank you for this day. I'm so grateful for just your presence here. What a joy it is to worship together. And I pray that now through the uh, word, uh, your word, that we would be encouraged and challenged, that you would give us a vision for what it means to live the way that you want us to live and to ultimately realize, God, that you are able and you're able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, the writer of Proverbs says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And maybe you have a different translation that says, without vision, the people will perish. And so what the writer of Proverbs is saying is that without vision, without some revealed vision, without some clear trajectory, people will just cast off restraint. They'll throw caution to the wind and they will perish and they will just go do whatever they want to do. So vision's a big deal. It's a really big deal for us individually, and it's certainly a big deal for us corporately and collectively as well, meaning that we can live out the vision that God has for us, and we need to understand his vision for our lives, and what does that mean? And so for those of you who are new to Rolling Hills, you may not know this, but our church collectively, not here in Nolansville, but our church started in Franklin 20 years ago, and we're celebrating our 20th year as a church. And back 20 years ago, we selected two verses for our church, that these would be kind of the key formative verses for Rolling Hills. And it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And so through this series, we've been referencing those verses. And so I want to read those to you, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Those verses say that God is able to do immeasurably more, that all that happens in our life is only through his power working in us, and we are to give him all the glory, and we are to give him all the glory in the church. But here's the vision for today. Here's the kind of part of that statement that we're going to unpack. It says that all this is to happen in the church throughout all generations. Throughout all generations. Meaning that God is able. We hopefully believe that today. God keeps his promises. I hope that you believe that. But it also needs to be proclaimed throughout all the generations to come. It's not just a message for us today, but it's a message that's so good and so relevant for all those generations that are to come. It's not enough for us just to know that God is able. We have to understand that vision. We have to understand his plan. We have to prayerfully understand his word, but it's also our responsibility to pass that on to the generations to come. So here's your challenge for today. This is your homework. This is your takeaway. This is your big idea. If you're going to nap for the next 25 minutes, don't forget this, okay? Hone in on this, and it's up here on the screen. Seek to take this to heart. Never let your vision for the church stop with your generation. Never let the vision, your vision for the church, to stop with your generation. I pray that you're always thinking about the generation that's coming behind you. 
Some of you may not be married. Some of you don't have children, and you've thought to yourself, this, I'm totally excluded from this. This has nothing to do with me, when in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. Some of you may no longer have kids living under your roof anymore, and you're like, been there, done that, bought that T-shirt. I, you know, we, we, we're not, this is not a relevant message for me anymore. Nothing could be further from the truth. Maybe you're a grandparent now, and you're realizing anew what it means to invest in this next generation. But this vision that God gives us is to be carried out by each of us, every age bracket, every season of life, every stage of life. I pray that you're looking for opportunities to live out this vision. Some of you are in your 70s and 80s and you're enjoying retirement. Part of the vision that God has for your life with that generation coming behind you are who are those newly retired people in your life that you're going to be able to help them understand how to use this new season of life. What does it look like to invest in this next season of life? For those of you that parent young adult kids, I pray that you are looking at our middle school parents and you're saying, I want to help you. I'm praying for you. I want you to know that I'm there for you. For those of you that are parenting high schoolers, I pray that you're looking at our preschool parents right now and that first and foremost, you would just give them a hug because they need a hug. You know, Preschoolers in your house, you just need a hug, period. But after that, that you would help them to realize they do get out of diapers. It happens. Eventually, they get out of diapers, and you trade that in for something new. If you're in your 30s right now, I pray that you're looking at people who are in their 20s saying, how can I help them in their faith journey? If you're one of our high school students, I pray that you're looking at our middle school students saying, how can I welcome them into our ministry? How can I help them see that this is a place where God has something so incredible for them? And for all of us, I hope and pray that we're looking at our preschoolers and our kids and our middle school students, our learning center students, and that we're saying, how can we ensure that faith is passed on to them and that our vision is never about us. It's never just about what we want. It's never about being complacent, but rather about this not stopping with us. Sometimes in organizations, including the church, it's really, really easy for us to kind of become content. And we can get to the point where we say, you know what, we've reached enough people. Let's just make this all about us. And let's just kind of ride this out. See, that's not the biblical mandate, by the way. And that's certainly not the vision here at Rolling Hills Community Church. And if that's the kind of church that you're looking for, a place where we kind of just be complacent and write it all out, I'm going to go ahead and break the news to you right now. This is not going to be a good place for you because we're all about moving and seeing who is it out there that doesn't have that relationship with Christ. And I don't say that to be rude, but rather to help us realize that we all have a part in the plan that God has for us to leave a legacy of faith. And do you know that that legacy of faith is most often written on the hearts of those coming behind us? It's written on the hearts of those coming behind us. And so we want him to be glorified in and through all generations. And so there's a passage of scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, that helps us kind of bring this into a little bit clearer vision, a little bit clearer view. Interestingly enough, you know, this is written from Paul to one of his kind of protégés, Timothy. And it was a letter that he wrote to Timothy who was serving in a place called Ephesus. And this letter was really intended to kind of help him with some rogue church leaders. Uh, and interestingly enough, it's screams about the importance of the next generation, and it's from a guy named Paul who wasn't married and didn't have children. And so, you know, if you think that just because that might be where you are in life that you're exempt from this, that just know that Paul 
really sees the value and that helps us understand why this should be important to us. So follow along with me if you have a Bible or an app. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So what did you notice out of the gate about Paul's letter to Timothy? Well, several things, hopefully. One of which is, Paul says, I'm really thankful for you, Timothy. He is ministering to Timothy, and he's reminding Timothy of his spiritual upbringing. And he's reminding Timothy of those who have poured into Timothy's life, and he's encouraging him to keep that message going. In essence, he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you are a link in a much bigger chain. You are but a small part of a much bigger story that God is writing, and it's this faith journey. It's this legacy of faith, and it's very, very personal to Paul to encourage Timothy. He refers to him as his own dear son, and he also wants, though, to let Timothy know that, Timothy, you did not get to this point in your life all on your own. There are others that have invested in you, and you now are bearing, your fruit is bearing in your life of some other investments that were made by your mother and by your grandmother. It says in verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. Can we just take a moment and praise God for the mothers and the grandmothers? I mean, I know I, for one, would be nowhere as close to walking with Jesus as I am now if it wasn't for the power of a praying mother and grandmothers. And so to all of you who have that as a part of your story or will have that as a part of your story someday, keep that up. Because he says, I see your faith, and I know that that faith lived in your mother Eunice, and it lived in your grandmother Lois, and I now see it in you. I had a wise mentor in my life who was actually my college pastor, and his name was Gene. And right at the end of my college career, when I was getting ready to graduate, he shared with me a really great piece of wisdom. And I want to share that with you today. It was in regards to a legacy of faith. He said, Jason, we are all standing on the faithful shoulders of someone. We are all standing on the faithful shoulders of someone. And for you, it might have been a grandmother like Timothy had. Or it might be a mother or a father or a Sunday school teacher or an aunt or an uncle 
Maybe you don't feel like you have that rich legacy of faith. And maybe you hear other people's faith stories and you think, that wasn't my childhood and I wish that I had that. Know that if someone invited you to church today, or maybe someone in your neighborhood shared with you about Rolling Hills, just thank them. You're standing on their shoulders today. You're standing on their shoulders because they have shared with you something that is happening here, and you've accepted that invitation, and you're now standing up on their shoulders. And an amazing part of this vision is that we keep it going, that we don't let it end with us. See, with every investment that you make, in the next generation, with every hour that you sing songs to preschoolers, with every hour that you rock a baby, with every hour, dads, that you find a new young dad and mentor him and listen to him and help him, you are inviting people to stand up on your shoulders. Do you know with every prayer that you pray for this next generation, with every prayer that you pray for your friends, you are making an investment and you're lifting them up and you're ensuring that that promise of God is able And that promise of God, you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. You're ensuring that those things don't stop with you and that they don't stop with your generation. See, Paul is acknowledging this heritage of faith in Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I see things in you that I saw in your grandmother. I see things in you that I saw in your mother. I mean, is there ever a greater compliment that you could give to Eunice than we see that your son picked up on how important your faith was to you? Or this precious granny, Lois, who loved her grandson so much that we would acknowledge, we see in you, Timothy, what was lived out in front of you through your lineage. For those of us that have children or those of us that have nieces or nephews or those of us that work with kids, do others see faith growing in them like it's growing in us? Or do others see a love for football? or work, or the pursuit of the almighty dollar growing in this next generation, opposed to the things of the Lord. I'm truly, truly thankful for all the faithful shoulders that I have been able to stand upon. So many, so many men and women throughout my life that I am standing on their shoulders. I'm truly thankful uh, for a dad who uh, loved Jesus more than anything, And I have lots of memories, actually, of my dad uh, being woken up in the morning by the sound of my dad's voice standing at the foot of my bed praying for me before he left for work at 6 a.m. I remember that, and it distinctly shaped me. I'm thankful for a grandfather who was so generous. In the little town that I grew up in, my grandfather was the guy you went to if you needed anything. And by that, he was the guy that would help anybody. It didn't matter how much you had, how little you had, how much you loved him, how much you didn't like him. He was the guy. If you needed something, he would move heaven and earth to make it happen. And that deeply has impacted me. I'm so thankful for a great grandmother who was not afraid to boldly pray for healing in her kids. She was not afraid to boldly pray for healing in the needs in her church and to see God answer those prayers. See, that's been a blessing to me, and I seek to keep that going. I seek to keep that lineage of faith going, and I don't know what story God's going to write in my own children's lives. I don't know what spiritual decisions they are going to make. I don't know what steps they are going to take, but I do know this. I do know this, that there is no greater gift that you can give your kids than a passion to follow Jesus. There is no greater gift that any of us can give to this next generation than a passion to follow Jesus. I mean, go back to verse 6. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, 
which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Paul says, fan this into flame, Timothy. In maybe a little more modern translation, pour gasoline on this vision, Timothy. (laughs) Add some fuel to this fire. See, when we look at this next generation, whether we're a parent or not, I pray that we would see potential. And for you teachers, that you would see potential in your students and potential in our students here in our ministry and potential that God's going to raise up a next generation of leaders to be more sold out for Jesus than we are. I think about business leaders that will be more sold out for the cause of Jesus Christ than we are. I think about the next generation of pastors who will preach the word of God with more boldness and with more passion than we do. The next generation of parents who will say, you know what, I'm going to be even more intentional in creating a home that is filled with the spirit of God and filled with joy and filled with joy-filled living. We're going to pass that on and we're going to seek to pray and see that come to fruition. Did you know that if you're a parent, um, you're the primary discipler of your child? It's a task that God has ordained you to do and has empowered you to do. And for some of you, that really sounded scary. And you thought to yourself, I don't know if I can do that. I don't feel equipped to do that. May I introduce you to our sermon series? God is able. God is able. God is able to do immeasurably more. You and I have the privilege and the responsibility, the challenges and the blessings to help this next generation see they don't need to be afraid. They don't need to worry. They don't need to live a life of timidity. They don't have to be marked by a life of fear. How can we know that? Because right here in the letter, Paul says, those spirits are not from God. A spirit of fear, a spirit of anxiety, a spirit of worry in your life, that is not from God. God did not give you that spirit. Rather, he gave you a spirit of power. He gave you a spirit of love. He gave you a spirit of discipline. Now, we pass a lot of things on to this next generation. We pass a lot of gifts on to our children, some of them good and some of them not so much. Some of you have passed a receding hairline on to your children. It just happens. Some of you passed on good looks and the other. Um, Some of you have passed on athletic ability Some of you have passed on intellectual ability. Some of you are going to leave your kids a massive inheritance, and some of you kids will leave your kids with some debt, whatever it might be. We pass things on to this next generation all the time. And I've been really burdened about this, as I'm sure many of you have, that sometimes, though, we pass on things to our kids that really aren't the best for them. And we pass on some things that truly are not God's best for them. You may not be familiar with this name, but there's a phenomenal counselor and ministry leader here in the Nashville area. Her name is Sissy Goff. And Sissy Goff is one of the counselors at Daystar Counseling. And uh, it's right here in Nashville. And she's one of the preeminent experts on ministering to children and families through family-based therapy. She's so wise. And even in one sentence has more wisdom, it seems like, than I could ever come up with in an eternity. And she just released a new book about worry-free parenting. And um, I want you to listen to this quotation from her because it's so good about some of the things that we pass on to the next generation, but how we can do better. And she says, please hear me say this with so much grace. (laughs) As a counselor for 30 years, please hear me say it. The anxiety rates among the kids we love have to shift. And the change really does start with us. Your kids are more capable than you realize. 
You are more capable than you realize. And you won't know the truth of those statements until you give them and yourself opportunities to prove it. And then she says, out of all the things I've learned about anxiety, potentially the most important is this. Anxiety is an isolator, but it's certainly not an isolated issue. It has an amazing ability to spread. And in almost every situation where I have had an anxious child or teen in my office, they have had at least one anxious parent. And I can stand up here and say that, and you really shouldn't believe it because I don't have authority to say that. But when you have someone who, this is her world, and as she said with such grace, and if you know Sissy, then you would know that there's nothing but grace-filled messages that come from her. She's trying to help us as parents understand that there are some things that we have passed on that aren't the best. And she says there's obviously instances that this wasn't true, and there's obviously exceptions to every rule, but she said in almost every situation where I've had an anxious child or an anxious teen, they've had at least one anxious parent. See, is it possible that we're passing on some things to this next generation that are truly not best? And that maybe here and now we can say, you know what, I want to write a different story. I want to seek to rewrite that story because I want to help contribute to the overall health, spiritual, mental, emotional health of this next generation. When it comes to matters of faith, just know if you're haphazard with your faith journey, if your faith journey is just quote-unquote casual, don't be surprised if your kids view it casually. If your faith journey is just quote-unquote something I kind of dabble in every so often, then we should never be surprised if that becomes the story of our own life because see the things that I prioritize, the things that you prioritize, this next generation will take those things seriously. And the things that we don't, they won't. Now, some of you didn't have this model for you. And some of you heard my faith story and you're like, must be nice. <laughs> must be nice that that was the legacy of faith that you had written because that's not my story at all. My house sounded a lot different than yours. My upbringing sounded a lot different than yours. My story sounds a lot more um, challenging than yours. And the reality is, it probably was and probably continues to be. But did you know the reality is God didn't get any of your stories wrong and God was not creating you an accident. There was nothing about your story. There's nothing about your past that is not apart from the loving, sovereign knowledge of God. And he is working in and through all of those situations. And if that was not modeled for you, if you didn't have those good examples, and you might think to yourself, you know, my legacy of faith is pretty weak right now. That's okay. That's okay. Why? Because you can begin writing a new story today. You can begin writing a new story today. If that legacy of faith is not very strong, do you know what you have the opportunity to do? You have the opportunity to start drafting a new chapter here and now, 2023. What better time to start writing a new chapter than this? And interestingly enough, Paul addresses this because he's acknowledging faith. He's acknowledging Lois. He's acknowledging Eunice. But scroll down to verse 8. Listen to what he says in verses 8 through 10. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. 
But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Why would all of a sudden, in the midst of all of this context about next generation and remember and I see what's happening, Paul inserts the gospel because he knows that there are going to be hearers who will say, my story was not Timothy's story. I did not have a Lois and a Eunice in my life like he did. And Paul says, no problem because I want you to understand right now what God has done for you. And I want you, my friends, to understand right now what God has done for you. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for your sins. And do you know that that did not happen when you were in a state of perfection? It was, in fact, in your lowest moment that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for you when you were broken. And we're told in Scripture that if we will believe that with our hearts, and we'll confess that with our mouth, that we become saved, and that our eternities are forever changed. And if you're here this morning and you have yet to experience that, if the gospel has yet to take a hold of your life, I hope and pray that today will be the day that you say, you know what, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to know with the deepest security and the deepest joy and the deepest sense of his love that he has created me for significance and that he loves me and that those sins in my life, all those things that I've done, that those things no longer have to separate me from God, but that they can be taken away. It's the power of the gospel. So if you didn't see this lived out, or maybe this isn't a part of your story to begin with, you can start today. And do you know that a different story will be written in your life? a different story, a different chapter, a new book all together. And you and I have a responsibility. And I pray that we take that responsibility really, really seriously. And that we will take these challenges and the joys and everything in between and say, you know what? I want to look at this generation coming behind me and I do not want faith to stop with me. But I want faith to grow and I want their faith to grow. And I want to be able to celebrate incredible things that happen in the future as a result of my faithful obedience. Back to verse 13 and 14 in regards to the responsibilities that we have, Paul says to Timothy, what you've heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus and guard the deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He says, Timothy, I want you to keep this trend going. I want you to keep these matters central and I want you to guard it with all of your hearts. Did you know that as parents, one of the roles that we have as parents is to guard what happens in our homes, to seek to protect that, and to always be on guard for the things that could potentially could happen. And so here's some homework for each and every one of us. Homework for each and every one of us. You see it here on the screen. Fiercely guard the working of the Holy Spirit in your home. Fiercely guard it. Guard the working of the Holy Spirit in your home. You and I are to stand on guard and we're to unashamedly and unapologetically say, I'm a person of spiritual authority. And as a result of that, I want to set a spiritual agenda. I want to protect the work of the Holy Spirit in this home. Now, I don't want to be militant about that. I don't want to be abrasive about that. In fact, some of you, if you think that the takeaway point is to go home today and say, I am a spiritual leader, hear me roar, <laughs> that that's going to work out very, very well for you, it's not. But rather to say, you know what, I'm not going to let my guard down, and I'm going to lead from a place of love. And I don't want to give away this most important role that I have, but I want to seek to embody it. I don't want to seek to take a back seat. Because when you and I take a back seat with any area in our life, what does the world's agenda do? It takes a front seat. Anytime you and I say back seat, 
when we know it's a matter of faith, the world will love to fill that in with something that's not God-honoring and that's not God-pleasing. Pretty frequently as parents, we refer to ourselves sometimes as papa bears and mama bears. I do that sometimes. I'll talk about being a papa bear. And uh, some of you ladies even have hats that say mama bear. I've seen them before. You know, like a shirt that says mama bear. And I love it. I think it's so catchy and it's so cute and all those kinds of things because it's kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool message when you think about it. And what does a papa bear and a mama bear do? If you mess with a mama bear's cub, what does she do? Claws come out. It's like attack mode, full on attack mode. You know, you mess with the cub, what does Papa Bear do? They, they come and they attack you, the claws come out, and that protectionist mindset and that drive kicks in, and honestly, I, mean, I think that makes you a good parent. The question I have, though, is do the claws always come out for the right reasons? Because sometimes the claws come out when, you know, our kid didn't get the teacher they wanted, or they didn't get on the team that they wanted, and we're like, I can't believe that, But then when it comes to matters of faith or spiritual matters, instead of the claws coming out, sometimes we roll over and play dead. And I hope and pray that we understand the balance between that. The balance of not being militant, not being abrasive, not being rude, but also understanding there are times that as a parent, I have to say, you know, I have to guard and protect and protect that truth of God and keep that central to our life. The same thing is true for each of us individually. Now, does that mean that that's going to be easy? No. Does that mean that this is going to be challenging? Absolutely. Does it mean that your kids and your grandkids are going to automatically grow up and be missionaries and do great things for God? Maybe. Maybe not. It does mean, however, that you will do your part, though, to realize the link in the chain that you are and that you have. Because, see, there's so much at stake with this next generation and how they will grow in their faith or how they will grow in their journey. And may each of us hold ourselves responsible for that and say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I don't believe there's a greater privilege that we have. If you're a parent, I don't believe there's a greater privilege that you have than to help be the spiritual influence in the life of your kids. And for those of you who are parents, I just want to let you know, I see you. This is like so hard. I mean, and if anybody ever stands on a stage and tells you it's easy and you just check this box and push this button and it's all going to be great, you know, leave because they're leading you astray. It's hard. I remember before we had kids, someone said, you know, be careful of all the parenting books you read because your kids don't know how to read and they didn't read what they were supposed to do. (laughs) Because what does God do? God gives you one that breaks the mold and it kind of does something completely different than all the experts said they were going to do. So I see it. See the struggles. But I don't think there's any greater joy. For those of you who are teachers, I don't think there's anything greater than investing in this next generation. For those of you who serve here with our preschoolers and our kids and our middle schoolers and high schoolers, I don't think there's anything more significant that you could do with your time and your service to the body of Christ than say, I want to invest in this next generation. And in fact, if you're not doing that yet and you want to do that, we'd love to have you. We're always looking for more people to do that. Our family ministry team was telling me recently that 9 a.m., we have a a deep need for toddlers for both of our services. We have needs for some adults to be special buddies for some of our friends that are special needs, to be able to walk with them, to be a buddy with them on Sunday morning. So these are just a couple opportunities. You can even make a note on your card and turn it in today, and we would love to reach out to you and to help you understand what that looks like and, and the beauty of that. Because, see, I believe God is calling us to fan into flame an incredible work. But I hope and pray that we will say, you know what? We're not going to let it stop with us. 
We're not going to let it stop with us. It's a vision that I pray that we're all seeking to live by because this vision is straight from the Word of God. And it's modeled in the life of Paul and Timothy. And if it sounds challenging, it is. And if it sounds daunting, at times it is. And if it sounds hard, it is. And if it sounds at times like I'm totally incapable of doing that, then know that you are in good company. But praise God, we serve a God who specializes in immeasurably more. He is able. And there's nothing that's going on in your life right now that's apart from him. There's nothing that's going on in your family that's apart from him. There's nothing that's going on in your work right now that is apart from him. And there's certainly nothing going on in the world around us that is apart from his knowledge and apart from his working if we surrender to him and trust him and say, God, show me that you are able. Show me that you are good. Show me how faithful you are and help me to respond to you. In whatever way it might be, with whatever time I have left, God, to make much of you, to proclaim your goodness, and to realize it's not just for today, but it's for all those that will come behind me. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.